My name is Dr. Brendan McCarthy. Welcome to my podcast. I am the Chief Medical Officer of Protea Medical Center in Chandler, Arizona. And thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you want to keep up with these podcasts and it's things that are giving you information you like, or if you're watching one of our reels on Instagram or uh, um, TikTok, you know, there's that notification bell at the top. Just click it. You'll know every time I do an update. You'll know every time we do a podcast. You know, every time we do release a reel, it'll be there for you. And when you comment on it, I promise you, I do read through them all. and I do my best to integrate it into these podcasts. So please hit that notification button up there and just make sure you get updated every time we do a uh, new release. I wanted to start this podcast off as I do with most of my podcasts and let you know that everything I talk about, I research and prepare for. It is important that when I come up here, I give you information that's well-sourced because the things I talk about, these are things you need to make decisions on and they're medical and they're important and they're part of your health and you don't want to see hear some rando person on TikTok telling you something crazy. You want to hear stuff that's been well-cited, well-researched, and you want to read maybe some of that original research as well. So today, uh, I'm going to talk about the different delivery methods of hormones to the human being. I'm doing this because I've done a little bit of this before in a previous podcast, but I'm going to circle back and get a little bit more in depth. I'm doing that because, you know, on our Instagram page, I get so many comments. And also on the, the uh, YouTube channel, we get a lot of comments asking about the different ways of getting this in there. People are like, well, I'm getting this topical. Is that good? I'm doing this oral. Is that good? Okay. So I wanted to do a quick video on that and, and give you as much information as I can so that when you make the decision to do hormone replacement therapy, you're aware of the risks and benefits. I want you to know this is truth. When I give you hormones or any doctor prescribes hormones of any kind, insulin, everything that you're prescribed as a hormone, it is something from the outside in and will never be as good as the original plan. Once you know that going in as a doctor, as a patient, you're aware of that and you know that, you know that you need to manage that fitting of the, the hormone that you're taking into your biology and that you have to make sure that's fitting as best as it can, being aware that it's not perfect and that lack of perfection, that's where the doctor should be monitoring and making sure everything is right, okay? Sounds abstract? I promise it'll make sense in a minute. Whenever I give hormones to a patient, my goal is to mimic nature as closely as possible and get it as close to the natural rhythm of the body as it should be having. And it's not always easy to do. There are different delivery systems that you get hormones on, like topical or oral or injectable or subdermal implant. All these things have different ways they're absorbed that can lead to negative side effects. And the negative side effects are because it's not being released similar to the way the body normally sees it. So like if you give someone too high of a dose topical, it'll do one thing versus oral. That's what I want to kind of get into today with. Um, I'm going to go through this hormone by hormone. I'm going to start with progesterone, go to estrogen, then testosterone. The estrogen and progesterone is very specific to women and testosterone is specific to women. At the very end, the testosterone is both men and women, okay? So progesterone delivery, there's going to be either the capsule the, the pill, you could do transvaginal or you could do intramuscular. The thing is, when you do it as an oral capsule, it's uh, ineffective due to that first pass metabolism through the liver. So you should take in progesterone orally. It's going to go past the liver. Your liver is going to break it down and try and eliminate it. It's not going to let it get into circulation. It only lets a little bit of it in through circulation. Um, 
Vaginal application is effective, but you know, problems with vaginal application is that it's not always fully absorbed. You're going to have some loss. Um, you're also going to have some transfer to your partner, and that's not a good thing. The intramuscular progesterone, you know, it's very, it's very precise. It's a, it's a good delivery system. The problem with it is very painful, and 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 doing that injection a lot of times can lead to having something called a sterile abscess. Topical progesterone was very popular for a while and it might still be popular in some areas problem with topical progesterone is you know you can't absorb enough of it through your skin um women ideally produce an average of 25 milligrams of progesterone daily 25 milligrams is how much you produce as a woman in a couple of studies i'm going to cite below in the description they're, the reason why i'm saying this is they're both french that's so it's hard to like get the oh, i don't want to recite this in french and, and butcher yeah. it's like um la progesterone administrée par vous uh, précontré en anecdote Paris. So, and, and there's been several studies about the absorption of progesterone in women that show in order to get that 25 milligrams that you're supposed to have in your body, you have to cover half of your body with a progesterone cream. Half your body. Imagine slathering half your body with progesterone cream just to get the right amount every single day. Look in the citations below. That, that'll be in the description of the video. There's the two uh, citations specific to those studies that are down there. We use, in my practice, sublingual progesterone always. Sublingual progesterone is going to be prepared in a dissolving uh, gummy that's made with uh, um, a gelatin base, and, and it dissolves sublingually for our patients. When they put that in sublingually, it spends time under the tongue, and you get a much better absorption rate. The things why we do the sublingual with women instead of capsules. This is a big deal because my patient's like, why can't I just take the capsule? Why do I have to let it dissolve in my tongue? Listen, progesterone tastes terrible. It's gross. But I need people to have that dissolve under their tongue to really get the absorption. The difference between the pills and the sublingual is huge. You know, um, there's a study here that was uh, published in 2006, again, in the citations, the use of progesterone in clinical practice, evaluations of efficacy and diverse uh, indications um, using different routes of administration. That was in current drug therapy. They published that one, as I mentioned, in 06. They did oral capsules of progesterone at 100 milligrams swallowed, okay, relying on first pass through the liver. They got the level into the blood within two hours, two and a half hours, it got to four nanograms per milliliter in serum when they tested in these women. Then they took another group of women and gave them the sublingual progesterone that dissolved under the tongue and within half an hour to an hour, they got up to 17 nanograms per milliliter, four times the strength at the same dose. So it's so much more expensive to use the capsule with diminished returns you have to use four times the dose to get the same effect you would with sublingual so that's why in my practice we use strictly sublingual if the patient really won't do sublingual i get it i hear them i'll do the capsule i just run the labs to verify that they're absorbing enough of the capsule the thing is and many of you know this when you're being put on progesterone a lot of doctors don't test it you got to run the labs to verify that it's doing something. If your progesterone is showing no change in the labs, they're not giving you enough. Your dose isn't working. So again, if I'm going to switch between different methods of delivery, I need to run my labs to verify that I'm having a, the impact that I want to have. And in this case, with progesterone orally, making sure the capsule is being absorbed enough and adjusting the dose till I get what I need. Pellets for progesterone. Um, pellets... I've been, and I'll go more in a little bit, but, but pellets have been uh, a, a 
method of delivery of hormones for for decades now and it comes and goes in popularity and uh it resurfaced i would say about 15 years ago it was being popular in the states and there was this big push to doing progesterone pellets and i'll tell you doing progesterone pellets in order to get that 25 milligrams released daily that's a lot of pellets i mean you can't do it it's there's there's no way to put enough pellets under the skin of progesterone to get that kind of result daily delivery okay estrogen delivery system is very tricky now remember what i said about progesterone progesterone what could go wrong you just don't absorb it or if you inject it it hurts or if you do topical it leaks out or if you do pellets don't do pellets there's too many pellets but you get the idea it's nothing that bad it's just poor absorption and poor results okay estrogen is where things get dangerous i need you to know that estrogen is where things get dangerous this is important Topical estrogen um, is a, not a bad delivery system because we put it on the skin, it's going to get absorbed. You're going to avoid a lot of bad things to your body as a woman doing a topical. It seems good. Um, topical avoids that first pass through the liver that you'd have, as I mentioned earlier, with the progesterone. When you absorb things in, your liver thinks it's food, your body's trying to absorb it, your liver's trying to detoxify it and move it where it's supposed to go. It doesn't understand estrogen orally. Your body does not understand estrogen orally. It tries to process and get rid of it. One of those steps when it's getting rid of it is it raises estrone to be way too elevated. And estrone is a downstream metabolite of estradiol. And estrone is the one that causes the risk factors for breast cancer to go up and causes the risk factors for you to have deep vein thrombosis because it stimulates your body to want to coagulate those, those red blood cells to coagulate. It stimulates something called thrombin. Oral estrone does that. Again, look at the citations in the descriptions below. The catch with topical and why I literally stopped prescribing it and I won't prescribe it again in my practice is because you're going to transfer it to the people you care about. No matter how hard you try, you will. And if you don't believe it, run a lab. Run a lab on your husband. If you're using topical estrogen, run a lab on your husband and see what happens. There was a study here that I'm going to cite. Um, this is done in the Journal of Reproductive Medicine 2008. I'm going to cite this. I'm going to actually recite what she wrote. Men absorb vaginal estradiol during intercourse, whereas intercourse reduces estradiol absorption in women. Hear that out. Transdermal estrogen, transvaginally, which is a common delivery mechanism, when you have intercourse with your husband, that estrogen is going to be on his penis. You're now exposing your husband's penis to estrogen, which is not what you want to do to a penis. With the woman... It diminishes the amount of estrogen she's absorbing because it's on him now. He has it. Um, although serum estradiol levels were only mildly elevated in men, it is possible that long-term exposure could cause feminizing changes. In women, estradiol levels were markedly reduced by intercourse. So again, it's, it's spreading it to your significant other and it's diminishing your absorption. And the thing is, ethically... No one signs on to get estrogen on their body like that. You know, it's, it's a, there's an ethical thing here about using topicals. And they say, well, okay, well, you know what? How about I just put on my arm and there's that? The thing is that it doesn't go away. If I were to take estrogen right now, take, take estrogen cream and wipe it on this little piece here, and then we leave the room and come back a year from now, it's still there. When you put the estrogen on your skin, you absorb some of it. The rest of it stays here. Anybody you touch, you hug. The clothing will wick onto the clothing. You put it in the laundry. Now it's in your laundry. Estrogen doesn't break down quickly and easily in heat. 
at least in your laundry it won't you're just spreading it around so topical is one of those things i really firmly avoid topical creams now there's one catch when you do topical patches the patch keeps it localized and on the tissue patches are not as expensive as they used to be patches are safer because you're not going to get on your spouse you're not going to get on your pet you're not going to get in your laundry you're not going to get any random things weird with it okay so if you're doing a patch system that's not bad also um oral as i mentioned earlier oral is going to cause that elevations in in estrone which can cause those health risk factors for breast cancer and deep vein thrombosis but also oral increases something called sex hormone binding lobulin and that can become permanent oral estradiol can permanently reduce your testosterone okay oral estradiol will increase sex hormone binding globulin which takes your testosterone out of circulation and renders it inert and this can become permanent so oral estradiol is not a safe option for those two things let me step back for a minute really clear i said this with progesterone if you can't get the sublingual trochee insurance doesn't cover it your doctor won't prescribe it there's no one that'll make it for you you're going to do the pill version of it like prometrium good do it run your labs get the dose that actually works okay we can work with that if you're doing estradiol and you only have topical available to you do the patch good great i love it if you have estradiol and they will only give you oral estradiol and your quality of life is being diminished and you that's all you can do make sure your doctor is running your estrone levels regularly make sure your doctor is running your uh, um, sex hormone binding globulin regularly so you're aware of what it's doing so you can make the decision to stay on it or not stay on it that's really important i'm not trying to paint you into a corner and saying do it the way i tell you to do it because i know some of you live in places or or, or your access to medicine is limited so if this is all you got you want to watch that estrone and you want to watch that sex hormone binding globulin now if your estrone levels are elevated, I'm going to recommend a supplement called diindolimethane. D-I-M is the abbreviation. If you look that up as a supplement online, that's what I would recommend, two to 400 milligrams. When I prescribe it, you know, there's a lot of different brands out there. Um, one of the ones I use, and I'm not getting paid by them, is Designs for Health. I've used them for 15 years, approximately. Yeah, so I, I've used them for years. On their website, there's some good studies about how it manages estrone and how it's healthy. So in those cases, I'll use DIM. When a woman has very high levels of sex hormone binding globulin, um, there's a few hacks I have at reducing it. DHEA is an over-the-counter supplement. And again, I would not do this without lab work on your part. But when I use DHEA, DHEA does help attenuate and reduce sex hormone binding globulin, therefore letting you have more free testosterone. So you can bypass that oral estrogen issue that way too. So I, I don't want you to think when I get on here, I'm this arrogant doctor that says, do it my way or the highway. I don't, I don't want to harm you. <laughs> I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. And I want to have as minimal, minimal side effects as possible. And if we have side effects, I want to have tools in my tool belt that I know can work. DIM's pretty good. DHA's pretty good. I'd rather you not do oral estrogen. You know? Um, what about injectable? Injectable estrogen, anytime you inject a hormone in your body, your body treats it as if it's the estrogen that's coming from your ovaries. It's like, yay, let's use it. 
So you burn through your estrogen immediately. So if I injected pure estrogen into you, it's in and out really quick, okay? How I prevent that and how I get your injections to last longer is we add an ester to it, a compound called an ester. So that would be like estrogen valerate or estrogen cypionate. We add that ester onto it to make it last a little longer. So estrogen cypionate, commonly used in my practice as an injectable, that lasts seven days. So you have a better extension of it in your body. So that's when I do my injections. That's why I prefer to use them in my patients. It's not perfect because I'm injecting it and it lasts seven days. It takes seven days for it to work its way through your body. There's going to be a surge higher and then lower by the end of the week. My job as a doctor is to make sure I get it in a good balance. I make sure I don't do too high or too low. I want it to be where it's at its lowest level in those seven days is to the point where you're not having symptoms of low estrogen. I want to make sure when I get you the injection, the high of it isn't so high of high estrogen symptoms. That's where the doctoring comes in and the thinking about you and the kinetics and labs are critical. You know? Again, it's not not how your body makes it. You know it. And we sit down with our patients, I explain it to them, I'm like, listen, these are the things we're going to be watching for and these are the labs we do and this is how I'm going to watch you and take care of you on that. I want your doctor to say those things to you too. Okay. Pellets are another delivery mechanism of hormones. As I mentioned earlier, you know, it's it's one of those things that's been around since the 1940s. I think 1941, I was looking at some research with this. But anyway, it's been around since the 1940s and has less a chance of peaks and troughs. So we do the injection, you have high and low, right? So so pellets are a little bit more even keel throughout the body over the course of three months to four months, four months on average. Um, some people will burn through it faster, they'll be aware of that. Um, they did a seven-year-long study that was published in the Journal of uh, Therapeutic Advances in Endocrinology and Metabolism. And they did this study in 2020, 2021. I want to bring this up because people are like, pellets, that's such a, no one does pellets and pellets are controversial and pellets are experimental. Not really. This study, they did 1.2 million <laughs> procedures. 1.2 million subcutaneous implant procedures were performed in 400,000 patients. The overall continuation after two insertions two sessions was 93% and the overall complication rate was less than 1%. Pellets are safe. Pellets are safe. They're fine. You know, the risks for it is very low for extrusion and infection. As long as the doctor does a good procedure, it's good. Compliance is high because it's not an uncomfortable procedure. You get numbed up. It's a little injection. It's kind of injection. It's like a, it's a spicy injection. <laughs> it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you have to numb the area up and, and you use a, something called a trocar, which is a sort of like a large injection tool. It's, but it's numb. Man, I'm probably turning people off with this, aren't I? Sorry. Numb it up. It, people keep going back for it. I have a population of people that that's what they swear by, and that works best for them. The thing about the implants, the progesterone, excuse me, estrogen pellets, is this. A lot of the research you can read out there, if you're a physician reading this stuff, I'm going to let you know this. Be very careful with the research you read, because I've seen so many studies where they talk about using. 40 to 50 milligrams of estradiol inserted as pellets. Do not ever do that. I'm going to give you this advice right now. If you're a physician watching this, I know some of you are, don't do it. Please don't do it. 10 milligrams is a good dose to try. Be careful with it. And why I'm saying that is that 10 milligrams works really well for me. You know, I, rarely if I've ever needed to go above 10. Sometimes I'll do 12.5 milligrams. That's available out there. Some compounding pharmacies will make it. 10 milligrams is enough. Uh, never go beyond that without really running labs and being aware of your patient and then going up slowly because it, it you don't need much to, to do what you need to do on your labs. Your goal on your lab work, 
I go up, I my goal for estradiol is around 80 to 90 because that's when you're getting good bone density, uh, maintaining bone density and building bone density. I've been able to reverse osteoporosis, osteopenia, again, that estradiol, you know, between 80 and 90. Again, citations in the uh, descriptions. 40, 50, man, you're going you're gonna to shoot them to the moon with estrogen and side effects would be bad, so 10. Um, that's just a little side note to the doctors here watching this. Um, another issue with it is, is that once your pellets are put in, you can't take them out. There are cases of people who had pellets inserted that wanted them out because when you put hormones in someone's body, you are committing to a change. You know, you're committing to these hormones in your body. And if you do injections, right, you do it for a couple of weeks, you'll be like, this is too much. I don't feel comfortable. I don't want this. It's very rare. I want you to know it's very rare. But still, I want you to know what it feels like. So if I have a patient, she wants to do pellets or he wants to do pellets, a lot of times I'm like, let's just do injectable for a couple of weeks and see what you think. Make sure you're happy with it. Because once the pellets are in, they are in. They're in for three to four months. You have that effect going through your body. So I like to make sure, one, they respond well to it. Two, they're happy with what it's doing. And, and, and three, they're ready to make that commitment for four months. Let's talk about testosterone. And I want to do this video on purpose for testosterone because I've been having, and I made a Q&A reel on this one too about testosterone topical. <sighs> topical testosterone is not a good idea. I know sometimes I, st I have a patient on it now. I have no choice. This is what I have to use in that case. There's sometimes you're, that's what you all you can use, okay? I know that. But still, topical testosterone is not my favorite, and this is why. Topical testosterone, when you put on a person's body, the increase in dihydrotestosterone is five times the normal rate. So if you give someone testosterone, and a man, I want his testosterone to say 800 for his total testosterone, and his dihydrotestosterone should be like, you know, 50, 60, around there. It's 50, 65 would be my goal. If I got his testosterone on a topical up to 700, 800, his dihydrotestosterone would be five times that, would be 300. Why is that bad? Dihydrotestosterone is what causes side effects in testosterone replacement therapy. Let me be more clear. When you get testosterone in your body, out in the space between cells, interstitium, it's called, or in circulation, it does this thing. But it's when the testosterone goes into the cell, it starts doing its job. Testosterone goes into the cell, it gets converted into something called dihydrotestosterone, as I mentioned. Dihydrotestosterone does all the work. That's the workhorse. That does the job. Sometimes, though, it leaks out of the cell. And that's fine. There should be some leaks out of the cell. So you get a little bit of dihydrotestosterone in circulation. Fine. But if there's too much dihydrotestosterone in circulation, you're going to have... Um, in women, you're going to have side effects of clitoral megaly. You're going to have, you know, oily skin. You're going to have more body hair. In men, you're going to have uh, the, the 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 follicles are going to tighten up, so you're going to have thinning, and you're going to have male pattern balding from that. Dihydrotestosterone, normal, not as much, but top of the high dihydro, absolutely high dihydro, prostate enlargement for sure. Dihydrotestosterone is not a bad thing, but it needs to be in the range. And when you're doing topical testosterone, I'm going to guarantee you, your dihydrotestosterone is going to be very high. I'm going to guarantee it. The only way to know, though, run the labs. Run your tests. When you consent to have hormone replacement therapy done, you're consenting to have your testosterone to be corrected. What if I got your testosterone correct at the cost of your dihydro being so high that in a few years, your prostate's enlarged and you can't urinate without medication? 
That's bad medicine. What if you're a woman coming in and you want your testosterone normalized because it's deficient and gone, and I give you, you know, topical testosterone, excuse me, and and your topical testosterone, your testosterone labs look great. I had a woman, her testosterone looked great yesterday. She came in great, but her dihydrotestosterone is super high. Pause this for a second. So I'm going to cut it here, talking about estrogen and implants and and that process. I'm going to stop this here because this will be a two-parter because there's a lot of material. There's so many of you who are doing these hormones and I want you to know what to look for and I want you to be educated so when you go see your doctor say, hey, what about my estrone levels? Hey, what are my risks for sex hormone binding globulin elevations? Or hey, am I even absorbing this progesterone? I want you to have the information on what to ask for and what to look for. The next episode we're going to do is going to be on testosterone. That's going to be for men and women, side effects and risks for each method of delivery. And then at the very end, I'm going to talk about the doses that I use in practice because I know that's been something people keep asking. What are the doses we use? What's my dosing range? I'll go over those as well. So thank you for tuning in. This means a lot to me. I love doing this. I want you to know this matters to me. I This kind of work is is so rewarding but it's only rewarding if it's working. I read your comments on Instagram and on YouTube, and I will respond to you the best that I can. And a lot of things you say in there are things that I take and I make new presentations with. So please take a moment and, and write a comment for me. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you think I should change the aspects in here. What makes it work better for you? Uh, and I promise you I'll get back to it and I'll, I'll look at it. So... Thank you again for tuning in. Please like, share, and subscribe, and uh, I'll see you next time.